0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, Good morning to you. It's a figure of speech, okay? It's the 25th of uh, June. My gosh, it's almost... Oh, I heard fireworks last night, so... um, By the way, Sarah Silverman, I so agree with this, tweeted... Why don't they call fireworks what they really are? Dog terrorists. It's so true. Gosh, when I had a dog, I was so, I so hated uh, this time of the year when people would get a kick out of making explosions. Uh, It's beyond me. I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, that was by way of nothing in particular. Uh, there's a funeral in town in a hour of a 17-year-old Antoine Rose, Jr. And I would imagine uh, that tomorrow, after that boy is in the ground, the protests around his death will. Continue apace in in Pittsburgh. I heard uh, people over the weekend saying that you know this these protesters they when they interrupt other people's normal lives by blocking roads uh, they don't win any friends. Um, And, I, I mean, my instinct tells me, well, then, <laughs> you don't understand what protest is. I mean, how does somebody get the attention of people? Uh, civil disobedience caused inconvenience for a lot of people didn't stop dr. King it didn't stop those marchers. why should it stop these it's it's amazing to me how people can't see beyond their own noses at something that's bigger and I think that you know the protesters who have responded with um, oh, you can't get home well Antoine's never going home and their chance three bullets to the back how do you justify that there's a question there's a question Donald Trump's approval rating among Republicans is now at 90%. And that tells you all you need to know about the Republican Party. That's all you need to know. That's almost unanimity of thinking this guy is a wonderful president when he will, without a doubt, go down in history as the worst of all time so the Republican Party is uh, is dying whether it knows it or not it's being perhaps changed into a different party but then it should change its name because this is not a Republican Party that an awful lot of Republicans recognize and hasn't been for some time but there was another piece in today's New York Times of two women lifelong Republicans Renouncing their party membership. And um, they actually are the co chairs of a party committee or a committee within the party, the Republican Party, Republican Majority for Choice. Yeah. Did you know there, there was two of them? They actually had two chairs, so they must have had more than two members. Republican majority for choice took them long enough to notice that that was an absurd place to be if you were in their party, just like the log cabin Republicans. I don't get those guys either. But when you hear that 90% of Republicans uh, think Donald Trump's doing just fine, thank you very much, um, it can can be astonishing. And yet you have to remember that the Republican Party is shrinking. It is shrinking even as we speak. Here's two more it shrunk by. It continues to shrink. So it's 90% of a shrinking piece of the American populace. Um, And these two say the party should note that 70% of millennial women have either registered as Democrats or lean Democrats. And they are pro-choice. The thing I really want to talk about I don't know that I really do, but uh, the thing I thought would be the best way of spending this time is about the new phenomenon that we have seen in the last week of public shaming of administration officials. public shaming is nothing new public shaming has has a long 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 history in the history of mankind i mean there are whole cultures and societies that use shunning right as a uh, as a way of uh, keeping people in in line in their community but i don't know that we've seen anything quite like well, it's probably not true. Every time I say that, I think, I don't know. But you, we, we had Kirsten Nielsen, head of Department of Homeland Security, being literally screamed at, uh, shame, 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 shamed, <laughs> publicly at a Mexican restaurant. And um, you have... Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, being asked to leave a restaurant, and you have the Attorney General of Florida, Pam Bondi, who you may recall, or you may, if I if I remind you, she was uh either st- yeah she was still the she was the Attorney General. And there was a push, I guess, in Florida, where many of the victims were, to charge Donald Trump for the huge scam he perpetrated on a lot of innocent people uh, with his Trump University. And there there was uh, calls for the Florida AG to go after him. She did not. That was Pam Bondi, and strangely she did not, and I'm not sure which happened first or after, whether it was a payoff or a payback, but Donald Trump gave her a whole bunch of money for her campaign, and she did not charge him. But as you know, others did, and he ended up forking over a ton of money. Um Pam Bondi was heading to a showing of uh, the Fred Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And uh, she was accosted by uh, people screaming at her. One woman could be heard screaming, you are a terrible human being. And they were screaming at her that Mr. Rogers... You know, Mr. Rogers. How you can be going to a Mr. Rogers film when you treat human beings like you do. So there was all that. I want to point this out. It's just an aside, but I want you to think about it. There was apparently a little... uh, Also uh, some kind of a kerfuffle with Corey Lewandowski who was out somewhere at a... I think it was a Mexican restaurant. These guys are amazing. All they do is eat Mexican food and throw Mexicans out. It's Beyond belief. (laughs) Um, And I guess one guy stood up and screamed at him while he was eating. It it didn't rise to the level of uh, what happened with... uh, these other uh, Trump officials, or Trumpian officials. And um, here's the the little thing, sidebar, I want to point out. Do you think it's a little unusual that the three, Nielsen and Sanders and Bondi, that really were essentially chased out of uh, public venues uh are women you know the Trump administration is not known for hiring um many people other than white men yeah there's there's some white women, but yeah, white men, and so to have the only people who have been subjected to this be women makes me wonder a little bit um it makes me wonder, I'm just noting it. That's all I'm noting it. so uh, here here's the reality of uh, of this. It is not illegal uh, what any of these actions. Uh, there are next to no jurisdictions that prohibit a business. From refusing service to uh someone because they find uh their political views abhorrent um so shunning people or denying service for political ideology uh is that's not something you see um a lot of up till now. I think we're about to see a rash of it um There are some jurisdictions that do make it illegal, but they're few and far between. Uh, I'm, uh, let's see, it's the District of Columbia, it's illegal. The Virgin Islands, it's illegal. And Seattle, that's it. Those are th- three jurisdictions that specifically uh, protect people from being refused service because of uh, ideology. And that—that uh, that is according to the ACLU that should know about this stuff. Um, but its legality is not what I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about whether it's a good idea. As I said just a few moments ago, I don't think there's any stopping it because this is something that is coming from the people, and this is total grassroots. It might be a single person in the case of the uh the Sanders situation. It was one owner who asking her her staff what they all thought, and they all agreed they wanted sand they didn't want to serve her, so that was. That was that. But I don't see how it'll be stopped. And you had Maxine Waters on uh, one of the Sunday shows, I guess, uh, uh, urging more of it. And she was saying they shouldn't be able to eat out, to go here, to go there, and act like they're regular people when they are denying so many others through their actions, uh, you know, the right to to even life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, so th- th- this is new to us, although the practice of public shaming and shunning is not. I mean, in the colonial times, the stocks, right, pillories, those that was all about public shaming. It's a kind of, yes, punishment. And in this case, being exacted by the people. I, um, I got mixed feelings about it. I certainly understand the impulse. My concern is that it creates potential sympathy for people who deserve none. And that in that regard, in terms of keeping our eyes on the prize and getting the Republicans out of office, that it might turn off, not Trump voters, I mean, fuck them. It might turn off moderate kinds of Republicans who are queasy as hell about what their party has become, or independents who voted for Trump. And it it, it seems that if if, uh, the Democrats start acting as vulgar and um, without social stricture as the president does, that we won't be disassociating ourselves from that kind of behavior. We'll be engaging in it ourselves. All right, there's that. On the other side... It's lack of civility we're talking about here. Well, that's not very nice, and that's not polite. And incivility is like nothing compared to what Nielsen and Sanders and Trump are perpetrating. (laughs) I mean... I would argue that their actions and their um, and standing behind their actions of cruelty and inhumanity to children, for God's sakes, <laughs> that making Sarah. I mean. That's where they are. That's how I, I see them and their actions, okay? Now, if people make Sarah Huckabee Sanders uncomfortable or Kirsten Nielsen uncomfortable when they go out to eat, well, that's not even in the same ballpark of what they are doing by their policies to people, children, Who don't have the power that they have. I completely understand the impulse. I'm just wondering if it's smart. That's all. On the other hand, I saw a quote from a German rabbi who managed to survive the Holocaust. He's not long dead, but he said after it that the way he saw what happened, the step by step by step by step that ended in that unspeakable horror that he said I think what people need to understand is that what they cannot do if they don't want to end up at that horror what they cannot do is be silent And the people who shamed Nielsen and the people who said to Sanders, we can't serve you, they were doing what that rabbi, I think, said. You can't act like things are normal. They are not. And because we feel that our country is is starting down and has in fact taken more than a few steps in that direction, that it is our civic duty to stand up against the people perpetrating this dissent and to not let them think that they can go about their lives as if they're just another person who goes to work and does their job and then goes home and then they can go out to eat go to a movie Uh uh-uh but on the other hand these things go both ways so we could get to the point that um, nobody in the public sphere will be able to go out (laughs) because they'll be heckled or screamed at by someone from the other side. So if we look at where this could end up, it ends up in a very bad place, I think. The first day I moved into my current home, which is now 25 years ago, I was up in what was to be my bedroom and I was, you know, I don't know if I was opening a box or something and I was exhausted. It was toward, I mean, all the stuff was in the house. Um, And outside of, I hear like chanting. (laughs) And this was, I think it was a weekend. And I thought, what the hell I I live on a I I mean a dead end chanting and I thought what and I ran to the window and sure enough right outside my house were a group of demonstrators with signs and they were chanting and it was clear from their signs they were anti-abortion demonstrators and I went tearing out of my house, down the stairs, out the front door, and started screaming, what the hell are you doing here? How dare you? And I saw that one of them was taking my picture. This is 25 years ago. And I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I turned around, and it was a a man, who I didn't know, who informed me that he lived a few doors down, and he said, Lynn, I guess he recognized me, I guess, Lynn, he said, don't, just don't engage them. They do this, don't engage them. I said, what are they doing? What do you mean they do this? What? He said, well, Dr. Turner lives right there. And Dr. Turner was, God bless him, was an extraordinary man, OBGYN. But he did perform abortions. And so these demonstrators would, I guess, it was their thing, to go and disrupt his neighbors on weekends. I guess the idea being that his neighbors then would Maybe politely ask him to leave, I guess. It was a form of harassment of the doctor, but also of the neighbors. Um, none of whom, of course, did anything but stand by Dr. Turner. But so I was that th- I saw that from the other side that day. That was no different than, I understand, uh, Kirsten Nielsen in her home that people showed up and were playing uh, outside of her house the sounds of the crying children. And so that would disrupt not just her and her family, but her neighbors as well. These are all, you know, none of these actions occur without consequence as And some of them undesirable, some of them unwanted. But if we, and I think we are, heading down this way, this is going to be a very ugly, ugly country. Uglier than it's been ever in my lifetime. I don't know. I don't know. What would I do if I went to a restaurant and there was Corey Lewandowski? Or, But see, they have security guards, so I I was going to say I can see walking up to the table and just saying, I think you're a despicable human being and walking away. I can see that, but you can't get close enough. I don't know what the right thing is. Um and now you have the President today already this morning. He's tweeting about the restaurant that didn't serve Sanders and is saying it's can- I don't know why anyone would eat there It's canopies are filthy, it needs a paint job it I, you know. now, I have to tell you, it is holy unethical for both Sanders and the president to use their public Twitter accounts to target a tiny restaurant, (laughs) to try to drive a tiny restaurant out of business. For a president of the United States to be doing that is beyond belief. But, and of course, if people... Republicans are in no position to get their panties in a twist about uncivil (laughs) uh, behavior. They have no no right, no right at all, since the devolution of our civic discourse has been led to by the guy they 90% of them think is doing a hell of a job, Donald Trump, the vulgarian they put in the White House. You don't like somebody saying shame to Kirsten Nielsen? I didn't particularly like uh, my president, uh, you know, my president, the president of the United States uh, saying I can't even repeat half the things he said that are just so vulgar it's beyond belief and w- way more despicable than shouting shame at somebody. Little Tony writes, I think the restaurant should have served her. Money is green and why make her a martyr? But I do understand the owner's reaction. But then Sarah making a tweet about it on her government account with millions of followers, and not her personal account was nothing short of an act of revenge, intended only to hurt the owner's business, which is true. And now, the president has uh, doubled down on on that, and it's unethical. On its face, but unethical. I mean, that's what these guys do every day. Sarah Sanders, by the way, hasn't been doing much uh, lately. You know, they haven't. She hasn't had a press con, uh, a press briefing in what? Almost a week. They don't even talk anymore. They got nothing to say. They've run out of lies, maybe. Ugh. I do have to tell you when I saw the thing about the uh woman in Florida, Bondi, getting harassed at a Fred Rogers uh documentary showing, I um I forwarded it to Mrs. Rogers because i thought she would want to know even though i thought she would be upset and she was she was very upset and because her tweet her 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 remarks to me were private i'm not going to share them with you but she was upset because she felt that and she would Know her husband, I think, very well. She said that Mr. Rogers would not condone this kind of behavior. So that she thought it was, I think, a little ironic that the protesters were screaming at her, Mr. Rogers wouldn't agree with what you've done because uh, her sense was Mr. Rogers wouldn't agree with what you're doing either. So Fred did not like screaming did not like, I mean, you know that, did not like negative behavior. He believed in low voices and talk. And um, he would have been appalled. So... I, I don't know. I, as you can tell, I'm—I'll blow either way on this one. I—I I understand. I understand um, why people are doing it, and I think they will continue to do it. But I also um, understand those who are queasy about it or who think it's not wise. But then I think of the rabbi and that these are not ordinary times oh dear guys I have a caller good because I'm I'm weary Caller, go ahead, please.
1: Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, I, I heard something that was very profound, and I want to share it with you. Mm-hmm. My sister uh, sent it to me on her Facebook account. There's a priest talking about, you know, all this going on with the uh, refugees and our reaction to it. And at the end, he said, if you're still against these refugi- refugees, and immigrants he says, "When you die and meet God, and God asks you, how did you treat your brothers and sisters who were immigrants and refugees? How will you answer? I wonder how Donald Trump would answer
0: huh. well, if he was tell well, he wouldn't tell the truth uh, but uh, that wouldn't work." Yeah, I think I mean it is so clearly unchristian. It is there there's I don't know that there's a religion alive that uh doesn't make a very big point about welcoming the stranger, about taking in the stranger, right? That's like a core Right. Well that value. was the
1: whole point of what Right. That was the whole point of what this priest was saying. Of course.
0: And so it is the Height of unchristian behavior to uh turn away those who are fleeing for their lives who are desperate who are in need, and uh a lot of people can't get that through their heads, but the sight the the fact that we're doing it to absolutely defenseless children is is unbearable to any, any compassionate human being. So the priest should know. I, the fact that there are uh, members of religions who are supporting Trump in this uh, is enough to make your head explode. All right? Thank you. No,
1: you, was, you would think there would be a human outcry from these people about Trump's actions.
0: Of course you would. But again, these are not ordinary times. And so, uh people are unmasking themselves. And uh it's not a pretty picture. No, it's not. No. Thank you very much for your call. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. you know, I was thinking the uh the public shaming thing is is Twitter come to life so this is what you do on twitter and uh, polite society is becoming a very quaint idea and i'm not sure it will ever come back i don't know how it does frankly and again let's thank donald trump for that have two callers. We have a caller who dropped out. Okay, got it. Um, So, I don't know. Uh, George Will, I'm sure you know, um, has called for the uh, voting, uh, I guess, straight Democratic ballot for everybody. And he is as conservative as they come, lifelong Republican. And he, in his flowery language, has condemned the current Republican Party and said that literally to save the nation, we needed to... Get rid of them. Get rid of Republicans. So if George Will, for God's sakes, is saying that, then it's no shocker for me to say, I don't care who is on that ballot. If they have a D in front of their name, you vote for that. You do not vote for anyone carrying a Republican label. It is the party of hate. And the party of division, it's the white power party now. It's the love Putin party now. It's the hate our allies party now. And anyone who votes for anybody bearing that party's banner is complicit with what that party's doing. You know, the, um, what's driving so much of the ugliness is, and we've talked about this, is, uh, ignorance and fear. They go together. They're like, you know, a horse and a buggy and a, they go together. That's it. ignorance and fear and it's ignorance and fear that is whipped up by uh, Republicans in positions to do so I have some facts here they're mind blowing facts often are because they go against perception what, or what we think and uh, people of uh, who are capable of critical thought and who value critical thought, when presented with a fact that disabuses them of a perception they held, they drop the perception and replace it with the fact. There are so many myths about who migrants are throughout the world because these migrations of desperate people are, as you know, happening all over the world and mostly south to north. That's the way it's happening. And no matter what country is taking is the the desired location of these masses of desperate people. There is resistance in that country to allowing them in. Always has been. And that resistance is often uh, based on mythology about who these people are. So... Uh, Studies have been done, and it's mind-blowing. Every country, European countries, the United States, every time a study is done about what people, how many immigrants they think are in their country, how many, you know, what they're doing, uh, you find unbelievable ignorance. Ignorance. First of all, the biggest thing that happens is the people who are against letting people in are always overestimating the number of people who are already in the country that are immigrants. They are also overestimating the number who are crossing the boat, uh, the the, the uh, borders. The overestimates are largest among, big shock here, the least educated and workers in low-skill occupations and those on the political right. And that is true for all of the countries. They overstate the number of immigrants who are Muslim, They understate the number of immigrants who are Christian. They underestimated how educated the people are who are coming in. And they overestimated their rate of poverty and their dependence on welfare. One in seven Americans think that immigrants who are actually in the country get twice as much government aid as Native Americans do. That is so laughably untrue. And in fact, laughably untrue for every single country in the world. Here's another fact that might blow your mind. There are fewer undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens to the right wing. There are fewer undocumented immigrants living in this country today than there were in 2007. There is no crisis. There is no crisis. So that if you ask people in America, how many do, how many immigrants do you think are in the United States? The perception, this is the average perception in the country of all people. They think about 35%, 36% of the population of the country is immigrant. Actually, it's a 12%. I mean, this is the 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 chasm between perception and reality. In the United States, ask the average, if you ask Americans, how many of these immigrants are unemployed? What percentage of the immigrants in this country are unemployed? Americans think that 28% of all the immigrants are unemployed. The answer, 3%. They work. They work hard. They pay taxes. So in 2017, where do you think most refugees are coming from? What do you think the number one country is that people are flowing out of? And it's number one by a long shot. That country is India. India. China. And Trump uh, tweeted today that, here, here's a tweet, We cannot allow all of these people to invade our country. We're being invaded by women and children, running from murderous gangs, coming here for help and we put them in jail. We take their babies and then we put them in jail. We cannot allow all of these people to invade our country, said Trump in his white nationalist voice. When somebody comes in, we must immediately, with no judges or court cases, bring them back from where they came. Well, here's a guy who took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. That tweet shows that he is not doing that because the Constitution of the United States and all court rulings based on that Constitution say that when you come to our country, you are given the right to a judge and a court. So have you heard of these people called uh, hashtag resistance genealogy? It's wonderful what they're doing. Every time one of these Trump officials spouts something off about these immigrants and who they are, these people go looking for naturalization papers and other stuff about the Trump officials' ancestors. And the stuff they find is, is a riot, ha, 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 because it shows that their policies would have prevented their relatives from coming into the country, that if the same laws that they are espousing were in place when their grandparents, when their great-grandparents came to this country, they would have been detained at the border and turned around and thrown out. They go after looking into Stephen Miller's family. And it's it's amazing what they find. They find, in part, that on his mother's side, the people, the first people came in 1903 with just $8 to their name, escaping violence. The fact that Stephen Miller is a Jew, it, Susan and I were talking about this uh, the other day, is, makes him the worst human being in this administration. I mean I, I don't know that I the fact that his grandparents, Wolf and Bessie Glotzer in nineteen oh three, came to this country running for their lives because of anti Jewish pogroms. And guess what Bessie and Wolf did once they were, of course, let in? They sent for Wolf's brother, Moses, and another brother right after that, Sam. And Sam turns out to be the great grandfather of Stephen Miller. So. Let's take that in. The great grandson of a desperate refugee can grow up to shill for the demagogue bent on keeping desperate refugees like his great grandfather out. And he called for his brother and then for another brother chain migration. Stephen Miller doesn't want to let anybody do that anymore either. And when people say, well, my people came here legally, well, la-di-da, weren't they lucky? First of all, they may not have come here legally. Most people don't know. But if they came here legally, it's because for the first 300 years of this nation's history, there were no laws saying you couldn't. We were building a country on immigration. There were no laws. There was one law, the Chinese Exclusion Act. Uh Uh-huh. And that was exactly what it sounded like. As soon as the Chinese built the uh, Transnational Railroad, uh, we decided we didn't need them anymore. And so uh, we said you can't come. No one from China can come. Everybody else we were pretty much letting in, especially if they were white, of course. that horrible woman, Tommy Loren. She's on Fox. She's a shill for the NRA, right? She tweeted last year, we are indeed a nation of immigrants. We are also a nation of laws. Respect our laws and we welcome you. If not, bye, bye. Well, resistance genealogy went to work and guess what they found out? Tommy, Tommy's great 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 grandfather had been indicted for forging his nationalization naturalization papers <laughs> Representative Bob Goodlat of Virginia chairs the judiciary committee His website says, I do not support a special pathway to citizenship that rewards those who have broken our laws, our immigration laws. Uh, They went to work again and found, uh uh-oh, Representative Goodlatte's grandfather lied during his naturalization process. And then back to Stephen Miller, we favor immigrants who speak English. The census shows that four years after his great-grandmother arrived in the United States, she was still not speaking English, she was speaking Yiddish, and then when Tucker Carlson said, why does America benefit from having tons of people from failing countries come here? Lo and behold, turns out his great-grandfather wrote in a memoir about why he left Italy. He left it because Italy was a failing country. He left it because of poverty and for the promise of America. You need more. White House aide Dan Scavino vowed to end chain migration. So they looked into his people. Oh, my Victor Scavino arrives from Canelli, Italy in 1904 and then sends for his brother Hector in 1905 and then brother Gildo in 1912 and sister Esther in 1913 and sister Clotilde and their father Giuseppe in 1916 and they all live together in New York. Do you think that would be a chain migration, Mr. Scavino? A few more, Tommy Loran again. You don't just come into this country with low skills, low education, not understanding the language. That's not what this country is based on. Oops. The 1930 census says that Tommy's great-great-great-great-grandmother had been here for 41 years. and still spoke German, didn't speak no English. Her great-great-grandmother had been here for 10 years, spoke no English. Same for John Kelly. He said on NPR, they're uneducated, these people that want in now. They come from rural areas. They can't be assimilated. They don't speak English. All of that was true of his ancestors. Oh well. That was then. Uh, This is now. Unbelievable. Um... Uh, Okay, here, uh, back to shunning. This is uh, Jennifer Rubin in the Washington Post. And she says, well, she quotes Anna Navarro uh, on CNN, who said, you make choices in life, and there is a cost to being an accomplice to this cruel administration. And if that cost is social ostracism, uh, yeah, that could well be the case. But if we're getting to the point that we literally cannot be in the same rooms, in the same public spaces with people who disagree with us, um, I don't know. And Jennifer Rubin says... Are we so polarized we literally cannot stand to be in the same room as those with whom we disagree? Well, it depends on how you view the child separation policy. If you think the decision to separate children from parents as a means of deterring other asylum seekers is simply one more policy choice, well, then, yeah, screaming at political opponents is inappropriate, I guess. Such conduct is contrary to the democratic notion that we don't personally destroy our political opponents, but rather respect differences. If, however, you think the child separation policy is in a different class, a human rights crime, an inhumane policy for which the public was primed by dehumanizing these people, infestation, animals, vermin, then it is both natural and appropriate for decent human beings to shame and shun the practitioners of such a policy. She goes on to say this exception to the rule of polite social action should be used sparingly. But there's no keeping it in check once it's been unleashed, right? She says it is not altogether a bad thing to show those who think they're exempt from personal responsibility that their actions bring scorn, exclusion, and rejection. And so if you don't want scorn, exclusion, and rejection, then don't continue to work for someone whose cruel and inhumane treatment of others rivals the internment of U.S. citizens of Japanese descent during World War II. Oh, my, 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 my. It's exhausting living now, isn't it? It is. Well, I'm sorry, another hardly uplifting show, but I don't know what we're supposed to do these days. Really don't know. And the funeral service for Antoine Rose begins now as we say goodbye. See you tomorrow. Cullen Live.